Welcome, my beautiful people, back to Be You Do You podcast. You know who it is. This is Sam. I am here today with an amazing guy by the name of Donald G. James. He is the author of Manners Will Take You Where Brains and Money Won't. Wisdom from his mama in 35 years at NASA. Inspired by the overwhelming reaction to the 1986 Space Shuttle Challenger tragedy, Donald James decided to make his career at NASA, retiring in 2017. He enjoys mentoring students and early career professionals. Donald is a graduate of the University of Southern California and American University. He also lives in Pleasanton, California. Welcome to Be You Do You podcast. Thank you so much, Sam. This is a real honor for me to participate with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate you being on and taking time out to join us. The book was ma- amazing, like I said. I related it to just your how you're being and showing up in the world. That's yeah. what Manners is all about. And that's what I got out of the book. But for those who have not read your book yet, what inspired you to write to write your book? Thank you. The genesis came from a talk that I gave to a group of NASA students just about a couple of months after I retired. And the talk was about my career and you know how I made it and what I did to get to where I was. And at the end, the young man asked me, well, if I could go back to when I was an intern, because I was an intern, but knowing what I know now, what would I advise myself? And I thought about it. I said, that's a great question. And I said, you know, I think I would remind young Donald that what his mother taught him about the importance of manners is equally, if not more important than competence or ambition, or as my mom used to say, or money. Like, you know, you can, you know, go far with your manners, but, you know, money and brains are limiting. And so, and if you think about it, you know, think about people who are incarcerated. There's many people who are incarcerated who are very smart, right? They're not, you know, Bernie Madoff wasn't stupid. He was just a criminal, right? And there are also people who are very wealthy who are depressed and not happy for some reason. So you can argue easily that those two components in and of themselves don't necessarily get you to wherever you want to go. And Mama left deliberately the idea of where that is open because it's up to the individual to decide where it was. So I, I said to him that I would really focus on that in my career. Now, fortunately, I think I remembered enough of it to do well, because when I reflected on my career, it occurred to me that, you know, I was a B student. I wasn't the smartest guy in the room, particularly at NASA. I mean, I knew enough to do my job, but, you know, I didn't go to Ivy League schools. I wasn't a straight A student. You know, I didn't graduate magna, magna, and more magna, you know. Mm-hmm. But how is it that I was able to be two degrees of freedom away from the president of the United States. And I think how I carried myself and how I interacted with people and how I was open to learning and, and working to, to get that was, was the difference. And so two months after that talk, my mother unexpectedly passed away. And it was very sad for me when she died and for me and my brother. And so I started thinking about a way that I could honor my mother and I decided to write this book as not only a way to honor her, but as a longer answer to that young man's question. And since I realize that my purpose in life now that I've retired is to, to give back to people 
like people had given to me to offer whatever I can offer for people to take it or not, that this was the best that I could do to say, this is what I think I know. And this is what I've learned and a lot of reading. I've done a lot of personal research, although this is not a work of scholarship. It does have a lot of foundation in it. And so mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to write the book because I wanted to, I wanted people to pay attention to subtle things, to detail things, to things that they may not think matters that I think do matter. And, and so that's why I did it. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the, it took, took a team to do, to do this. That's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. We can't do anything without a village of people. No, that's we absolutely. We definitely need yeah. each other, you know? Yes, absolutely. I had a lot of support and a lot of great support. So yeah. That's awesome. Thank that's, you how, for, that's how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, for that, sharing that story. My, my next question. So what if someone was to come to you and say, you know what, Donald, I hear what you're saying, but that's BS. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we are showing up, you know, exercising manners, being giving, you know, being vulnerable, being kind to people, but we still feel like we get the shit in the stick. Yeah. So in those yeah. moments, what would you say to someone that, that says, I'm giving my all, I'm giving my best. Right. But it's just not enough. Yeah. So it's not only a legitimate question, but it's one that there's a lot of rightness to it. And the first thing that I would say is, I believe the fact is that life is not fair. It's just not. And if you think it should be fair and you come to the world as if it is fair, you are going to be sorely disappointed, right? I cannot say that even though I think, you know, I've overcome many things, that because I'm a black man that I could just walk anywhere and be authentically who I am and never run the risk of being discriminated against, which I have, right? I have walked on the street and I have seen, you know, women clutch their purse or go a different direction. And I know it's because I'm a big black guy and they don't know me, but they have an idea of what big black means. And so they're reacting to that. So life isn't fair. So, so given that, you do have a choice, right? If you honestly feel that, you know, to be liberated means to really be who you are and to show up that way, then does it really matter what anybody thinks? See, my mom had these rules and you read in the, in the book about, you know, mama's rules, right? And you remember what rule number two is? What others think of you is none of your business. Yes, yes. That's also a book, by the way. Is that right? I didn't know that. I, I, uh -huh. I read that book. What other? Oh, good. It's none of your business. I got <laughs> to shoot it to you. Please do. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. Wow. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. gift. Yeah. 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 So you know, the other part is that it's true that there are people who have, in many people's eyes, made it, but yet they were not very well mannered. I mean, somebody might say a recent president falls into that category. There's a lot of people that fall into that category. <laughs> All right. There are people who are very, very wealthy, who some manner I don't particularly care for or agree with. And so people can say, well, why don't I just be like that person and just plan on being rich? To which I would say, you know, if that's really what your heart's calling is, and that's authentically you, 
then go for it. I don't have anything against people being rich. I would just question for what? Because see, I view that the manners as I describe it, which is very holistic and broad, has a has a, a moral dimension to it, has a virtuous dimension to it. Yeah. Meaning that if if all of what you do is just for yourself and your own self aggrandizement and and what's in it for you, then I as you know, as Denzel Washington said, ain't no you all gonna follow you to the cemetery right. with your with your stuff, right? Right. <laughs> None of it. Yeah, yeah. None of it. They're gonna put you in the ground with everybody else who is rich or poor, and it's the same thing. Yeah. You can't take it with you. And so I'd like to believe, and I think this is borne out by some people who are wealthy who are doing things right now, Bill Gates comes to mind, where what they realize what they want to do with their wealth, even this guy who was it recently said he was giving away? I forgot he was multi-millionaire or some organization, but they they want to use it for good, right? Whether it's about the planet or whether it's about other people. So there seems to be something about showing up in a way to help and support other people that's important. And so I would say, yes, a lot of people might think it's BS. And yes, you might get, you know, put down and talked about, but do you really want to sell your true self out in order to please other people? I don't. I don't care. I mean, I, I mean, I care that they have, they have to come to that, but you know, that's not liberating to me. So that's, that's how I would answer that. Thank you for answering. That definitely gives me a better perspective because I, you know, that question was not just for my audience, but it was for me too. Okay. <laughs> because you, you get fair. to that, you, you get to that point where you're tired, you're exhausted from yes. being this person with manners and being the kind person, turning the other cheek constantly. You only yeah. have two cheeks. How many, how many, how many more times am I going to allow you to, to slap me? You know? Well, there is another aspect of this, and that is how do you manage your boundaries and how do you, yeah. I mean, being, being well-mannered doesn't mean being obsequiously polite where if somebody says something mean to you or mean-spirited to you, mm -hmm. that you have to smile and take it. There, so there are ways that you can react. So, for example, mm -hmm. let me give you a true example that happened in NASA. Okay. I'll okay. see. If, I'll see. If, I'll see if I can make this make this quick. It's, this, I don't, this is not in the book, but okay. there were two senior leaders several years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, top. They were they were they were at the level I was. We were associate administrators. Now they they were before my time. One was a very prominent African-American aerospace engineer came out of MIT. And another guy, I think, was in our science department or whatever, okay. Caucasian man. They got into some kind of a verbal altercation in the gym. NASA has gyms wherever NASA facilities are. I wasn't there. This is secondhand. So I may not have my facts 100% correct, but I'm pretty sure most of this is correct. What I know is that eventually the altercation got to the point where the Caucasian guy said to the black guy, he called him the N-word. N-word, okay. And the black guy hit the Caucasian guy, called him an MF and say, hey, don't you ever do that again. Now, one of those two people lost their jobs. Can you guess which one did? The black guy. 
The black guy did. And why did he lose his job? Just hit the other guy. Because he hit him. He committed an assault. And so the rules and laws are as egregious and as awful as the white guy going there yeah. with the black guy. It was verbal at that point. Now, the black guy could have probably successfully sued him or done something for a verbal assault or something like that. But the fact that the black guy crossed the line and struck him physically meant that he committed a crime. That, that's, you can't do that. You right. can't hit somebody like that. It's a crime. So he lost his job. Now, he, this man is brilliant. He's a prominent guy. But he decided, I don't know if this was conscious of him or not, but he decided that regardless of the consequences to him, he needed to act the way he did. Now, I, I'm not here to judge whether or not he was correct in doing what he was doing. And I'm not saying that I would have the ability to choose differently. I don't know. I've been angry before and really, really angry, but I've never really gotten to the point where I wanted to physically hit somebody as a result of that. I would say that there was probably a different set of choices he could make such that the lesson from that altercation could have not only been understood by the white guy, but it could have been understood by a lot of NASA people. But because it became a personnel matter, it kind of was hush-hush and no one really talked about it. All of a sudden, the guy was no longer at NASA. So I believe you can be respectful of not only other people, but respectful of yourself. Yeah. You know, I learned a lot of that from my father. My father was a diplomat, but he didn't let people walk on him, but he was also firm and diplomatic in his retort to people. I think it just depends on, you know, what you really want to accomplish in the moment. And if you are, if you take a deep breath to just experience what your emotion is at the moment and yes. say, what is it that I want to accomplish, then you can react appropriately. Now, if somebody is about ready to cause you physical harm, yes. in my book, it is acceptable to do what you have to do to prevent yourself from causing physical harm. But you know that there are people in this world like, what is that that group? They're pacifists, they're it's the religious group, where they they don't, if someone was gonna cause physical harm, they, they're like Gandhi, they just said, you know, I'm not gonna fight fire with fire, I'm not gonna eye for an eye kind of a thing. I, I think you have a right to protect your physical body as well as your personal space. I think you also have a right to think about how you want to do that and for and for what purpose and that's why if you're skilled in manners you are prepared you are better prepared to make a better choice for you at the moment than you might otherwise not have done right because i've seen a lot of black people unfortunately they're the ones going to prison they're the ones getting suspended more in school they're the ones because someone causes an offense and they choose a reaction and then the bias and the prejudices put the blame more on the black people, and they're the ones that are punished more. That's just a fact of what happens. And we're, and we're not really looking at the information in that. We're not, That's we're not right. looking at, you know, where the trauma is coming from. Because yes. if we react, we're not just reacting. There's information in that. There's a yes. reason why we're upset. There's a reason why we're exploding. There's a reason yes. why that guy hit the other guy in the gym. I don't care what his title was. There was something deep inside absolutely that made him react that way absolutely and this is where i make the distinction between reasons and excuses yeah 
there actually were reasons that ought to have been brought to the brought to the light and talked about in the open with the whole NASA community about why that man hit the other man. Now, is he? Do we excuse that behavior? No. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure because if we excuse that behavior, then we say it's fair game. I might say something even inadvertently to somebody, and they may take a great offense and decide they're going to hit me as a result of that based on the standard. Well, it's okay to hit people. I don't think that's right. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. I don't. I don't think it was right for him to hit the other guy for what he said. But I do think that it was NASA's responsibility to have that conversation. Yes. Around. Ex around Ex the, yeah. Around what exactly. The guy said. Exactly. And I don't recall that there was a lot of, I think it was kind of pushed under the rug a little bit. Now, that was earlier in the days before there was a lot of DE&I work going on, diversity, equity, and inclusion work going on. And so it, it was a different time, not to excuse it, but I'm saying exactly what you said is correct. It would be an opportunity for the administrator and others to yes. present the facts. They don't have to say names, but people will know who it is and say, we are better than this. We're the space agency. We are better than this. We can learn to deal with our conflicts better than what happened in this particular incident, where we don't have to use racist loaded terms that, you know, cause people to react the way they do. Right. And that yeah. leads me to yeah. my next, that leads me to my next question. I know we briefly yesterday talked about adversity with yeah. um, marginalized communities, people of color, LGBTQIA, and those who often feel like they are getting treated differently because of who they are. And with knowing that we live in a society where these things do exist, it does happen. Yeah. How do, how do you, or what advice would you give to those groups, communities? Like what advice would you give as far as getting through the adver adversity? Because we know racism exists, transphobia, yeah. homophobia exists, all of that yeah. exists. And it's, and it's gonna, unfortunately, I, I hate to say it, but it's gonna be like that till the day we die. Probably, you know, probably. But I think, I think, I think that it's imperative that we don't operate as if that is inevitable. As Martin Luther King says, progress does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, right? You have to, you have to fight it. And I think the fight needs to be with those communities that aren't in the oppressed communities. Right. You know, I have to be an ally of the LBGT community, even if I'm not a member of that. And I've done some things that I am proud of, but probably not nearly enough. If I'm, if I need to stand up against anti-Asian hate. Right, because because hate is hate. The fact that it's perpetrated against Asian people is, I mean, it's relevant because it's saying there's something about Asian people that other people are feel that it's okay for them to do that, just like they feel it's okay to pick on a gay person or a trans person because they're different. You know, it's incumbent upon other communities to say, you know what, that's not okay, and and we need to work on the underlying root cause of why you think that's okay because that's not okay so it's not the burden should just not be on the oppressed community to de-oppress the oppressors as i see it having said that if you are if you are part of that community and, you know and I, I only the only way that i can identify as an african-american male because that's what i know best because that's who i am that's how i identify right. is that i believe it, it being quiet is is first of all not helpful people need to know you know 
where they've crossed the line or not. I know for me personally, what I've appreciated about people, whether it's women or others, if I have said something improper or I've done something improper, if they point it out in a way that doesn't castigate me or, or it's, uh, you know, like, you know, judgmental, but more informative, then it's helpful. So for example, my physical trainer identifies as queer. And so she's made it clear that she, I never particularly liked that term. I, I know it's been appropriated back and all that, but for me personally, I just, I didn't really like, but she said, no, I'm, I'm queer. So that you can call me that. I said, okay. I'm with you. So, so, you know, so it's like that it's informing, it's informing people about what's appropriate. And sometimes it's non verbal. I remember a, a female manager in my early days of my career, there was some event that happened and there was a lot of celebration. Everybody was happy. And I'm a hugger and I intuitively went to hugger and she made it clear that she didn't like that. So she grabbed my hands and moved them off, never said a word to me. But the message was don't hug me. Now, I, I, I was offended a little bit, but I was but I really quickly realized it. That's not it's not, not up to me to tell her that she should be okay with that. That's her space. Right. And she made it clear that I had violated that space. And I respect that. I never touched her again. So I think we have a responsibility to speak up and, and say things, but in a way that can be educational. That's why I like it when someone actually asks me, well, Donald, what's it like for you being the only black person in the boardroom? Because I've been the only black person in the boardroom. I appreciate that they're actually trying to understand what it's like from where I'm coming from, right? So, and I'm sure you probably have the same, you would, you would appreciate it if someone would ask you, well, you know, what's, the, what's your experience with this? And what would you like those of us who are not a part of your tribe to know so yeah. that, so that we can be better educated? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to, like I, like I told you yesterday, I try to not give my energy so much to the adversity, yeah, the challenges and the obstacles, yeah. uh, because I have to say that I'm probably farther along in my life than some other people, yeah, you know, within yeah. my community and even not in my community. So I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I've always showed up as who I am. Yeah. Even when people were telling me not to. Yeah. And even more so now with my own life coaching experience, I, I hired a life coach, worked with him for about almost a year. Uh -huh. And now I'm even more confident in who I am and and vocal about my mission and how yeah. I want to see the world. And I feel like it all starts with us individually. Yeah. yeah, That's the only way we're gonna be able to come together is recognizing what's deeply rooted in us. Yes, that's so well said. Oh, it's, yeah. you know, trying to, trying to understand that and be, and to liberate yourself from the consideration that how other people see the world is more important than how you see the world, including yourself, because you are of this world too. Yeah. Does that make any sense? That makes a lot um, of sense. Yeah, you have agency just like everyone else has agency. Unfortunately, we've grown up in a society where that's been defined in a way that it's like air to the bird and water to the fish. I mean, they just assume that's how the entire universe is, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and as I can tell you as a space person, the universe is real different. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. And so speaking of the universe, what is your mission in this world, in this universe? What is, 
Now that you've retired from NASA, what is, what is Donald's mission? I'm very blessed that the work that I did after I retired, I discovered what it is now. And I want to say before I share what it is, that I think our mission and our purposes do evolve over time. Yes. What my mission and purpose was in my 20s is probably different than the 30s and 40s. Now that I'm in the last quarter of my life, I'm 65 years old, and I've been very fortunate. My purpose in life is to give, G-I-V-E. It is to give. And I define giving quite broadly, and I include in that giving, giving to myself. And so when I retired, for example, a friend of mine said, you know, you need three things to have a good retirement. You need purpose, structure, and a social life. And I thought, wow, that's pretty profound. And, yeah. you know, fortunately, I didn't have to worry about my social life. My wife is very good at that, so she handles <laughs> all of that. My structure, I, have, I was a little rusty because I got to a point where, you know, people did things for me, wrote my speeches, and managed my calendar. I got lazy. I didn't even know how to have a to-do list. I had to, had to brush off that. But I thought about purpose, and I realized that I had started writing down a list of things I wanted to do when I retired. You know, I wanted to travel and I wanted to work on my garage. I wanted to do this. And those were all like projects, but I'm like, what was, what's, what's bigger than myself that's really driving the things that I'm doing. And then I thought about, you know, the book as I was writing, and I said, you know, what gets me up, what gets me excited, what turns me on is any opportunity I can give myself to others in a way that's not arrogantly presumptive like this is the right way i don't know what the right way is i'm just saying you can have whatever it is that i think i have to give and i'll put it on a plate in front of you and you pick up anything that you want that can be helpful in addition to that it's giving to myself and i make a distinction between giving and receiving Receiving is a passive act that you allow to happen. Giving is a proactive thing that you actually do, right? So I don't, I don't take a break during the day. I give myself a break, right? I, I, I give myself time in my calendar for my physical well-being, whether I walk or I do my exercises or my meditation or listen to my podcasts yeah it's a gift it's a gift it's a mm -hmm. gift and so why not give it so i so i include myself in that but for me i i enjoy mentoring young people i have several all over the world that i spend some time with and i proactively reach out to them and talk to them about what's happening and they'll ask me questions i do it for my own children i'm very blessed that i have two wonderful children and they're open they like they want to hear some things and I try to present it as well this is what my experience is and you know th this may work for you or not work for you I try not to pretend that I'm somebody that I'm not you know I'm not 20 and I'm not 30 I'm not a part of a lot of different tribes I'm part of my own and even in my own tribe I'm probably unique in that sense so I don't I want to respect that you know my experience is going to be much different than your experience you know so so that's my purpose. My purpose is to give, and I'm going to give until I'm not alive anymore. And um, and I it 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 inspires me to do that. It really does. Yeah.
Well, I thank you for giving because you've given so much to me just in this time that we spent, especially when you pointed out your purpose changes over time. Yeah. Because yeah. I was so stuck in constantly asking, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? But I've, I've noticed, and you're like the third person to say this, your purpose over time could possibly change. What you yeah. felt like 10, 20 years ago may not be the same. That's right. So that's just confirmation that I'm good. I'm in a good space and it's okay. It's absolutely it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes those, our mission or our purpose mm -hmm. changes because something happens that gets thrust upon us. You know, I think about some of the tragedies that have happened in our country, mm -hmm. you know, with the shootings, whether it's Floyd or the Newton kids, yeah. or I mean, the parents and the people around them, they didn't wake up one day and said, you know what, I'm going to be on a mission to get rid of assault weapons. I mean, they just wanted to enjoy their life. And all of a sudden, their loved one is gunned down. And now they, they feel like they have no choice. But to, so that happens. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's how some people's mission and purpose in life come to being. And for others, you know, it may grow out of adversity or it may grow through a realization of like what makes your heart sing? Yeah. What makes your what makes your heart sing? Like what what gets you inspired in the morning to say, you know, thank God I'm here. You know, and, and that's that's how I enjoy being. Doesn't happen all the time. You know, there's some <laughs> days I'm like, oh God. Want to stay in bed, yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm, on fire so. for, I'm on fire for definitely being a voice for other people because I, I understand that some people will never live their life freely who they yeah. want to be and as they are, yeah. you know, yeah. and that has, that, that, that really, that really is sad and it's really disheartening to me to know that there are people out there suppressing their feelings, their thoughts, their emotions and suppressing who they are as a, as a person. So that's right. if, I, if I can be that voice, I accept the mission. That's, that's I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Because I'm sure you've interviewed people and talked to people who've never had a chance to yes. say what's in their heart and have that being received with the love and care that you offer it. And I think that's powerful. It's powerful to be present for people. Yeah. It's powerful. I, 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 was, I was shocked too, because I've, I've had that from guests say, you know, this is the first this is the first time I've had a chance to share my story. And here I am, a podcast amongst how many podcasts out there in the world? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> right. Uh, 1.5 million, I was told. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. And somehow the universe brought us together, and I've been lifted up as a result of that, and I appreciate it. And I don't feel that after this is over that our connection is going to disappear. I think it's going to stay the same. And I want it to stay the same. And I, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing. Likewise. So before we wrap up, I would love to continue to talk, but my, my Zoom is only so long. And so this is, this is my learning process. I'm like, <laughs> dang it. I probably could have gone another 30, 45 minutes, but it's okay. Where can people find Donald? Contact you. Sure. The best way is I have a website. It's just my first name, middle name, and last name, Donald Gregory James, donaldgregoryjames.com. And in that, you'll see a lot about the book. There's a bio about myself, and there's a contact button at the top menu. And through that contact, please email me. My email address is mannerswilltakeyou at gmail.com. Manners will take you at gmail.com. I welcome all emails. I respond to all of them. 
And I would appreciate any feedback, particularly about what I've written. If there's something that people react to positively, negatively, otherwise, I would welcome that feedback so that I can grow, you know, as I connect with more people. But that's that's the best way to reach me. All right. Well, and, and they know where to reach me. But again, for, for coaching, I am a life coach as well. You can reach me at coaching at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at budu underscore number one, and on Facebook at Sam V. Castle. Thanks again, Donald, for your time. I had a, I had a, a wonderful conversation with you. And like you said, hopefully we will continue this connection. Absolutely. And I pre- the work you're doing is great, Sam, and I'm glad to be connected with you. So thank you for this opportunity. No, wor- no worries. Anytime. And for my guests, don't forget to be you, do you, authentically, unapologetically, uh, uh, authentically, (laughs) unapologetically as yourself. Until next time, peace and blessings.